The podcast under the stairs. Void diary entry number 13. Excerpt from Duncan McLeish diary. The longer that I uh, spend in the void, the more I start to think that maybe there is no way back. Um, I had a conversation with Baz through secret channels that I've set up and um, I think I'm starting to come to the realisation that maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe this is kind of what the experiment has led to and maybe I should live with the consequences. I'm not entirely sure um, if there is any way back. The only thing that keeps me going is the, the knowledge that, you know, you guys out there listening to the shows enjoy them and, and you leave great feedback on the Facebook page, but ultimately I'm kind of left with a sinking feeling that there is no way back. And even if I did get back, things have changed so much now that I don't know how I would function coming back. It's pretty depressing. I, I don't really know what else to say. Recording end. You're listening to Druid FM on 192 BC. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs episode number 51. I am your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Um, Episode 51, well we managed to get over episode 50. Uh, That episode was a whole hell of a lot of fun to record. Um, The look at the Gates of Hell trilogy with Jeffrey X. Martin and Doug Tilly and you guys seem to have loved it. Um, Plenty of feedback coming back on that one. Um, Some people have seen all three films, Uh, some people have only seen one or two. Um, general consensus is that most people kind of agree where we landed with the reviews um, and I don't think anyone has refuted the fact that Bob is an annoying kid character, that's right annoying kid character so what's coming up on this show well um, two reviews for you originally advertised I was going to be joined by uh, David Buchanan from Rock and Rule Reviews to do reviews of Honeymoon and Extraterrestrial Unfortunately, I don't know how I managed to do this, but um, I managed to delete that recording altogether. It was recorded a fair few weeks ago now, but um, I can't seem to locate it at all on my computer, so um, I had to kind of scramble. I had to bring forward an idea that I had basically saved for for one of the further shows uh, along next month. Um, but I brought it forward anyway, um, and I got a chance to record this weekend with the fantastic Jamie D. Jenkins. Um, and we have got two really cool reviews coming up for you. Uh, reviews of Stitches from 2013 and Clown from 2014. So two horrible clown movies. Um, horrible as in the clowns are horrible and them, not the movies are horrible. Um, coming up on the show. Um, also, tons of people entered the competition. You have one week left in order to win uh, Arrow Video Limited Edition Steelbook Blu-ray of The Beyond by Lucio Filci. Um, it is region free. It will play on any Blu-ray player throughout the world. So, um, some American people have already started entering. I know there's a whole hell of a lot of American people listen to my show. Throw your name in the hat by going across to the podcast under the stairs Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Um 
um, you will find a picture of my wife holding said Steelbook Blu-ray. Um, and all you need to do is uh, follow Baz's instructions from last week's episode. The answer to the question is, do you want the Blu-ray? All you have to do is say that you want the Blu-ray to be entered in the competition. We'll be drawing that for next week's show, so the winner will be announced on episode number 52, coming up a week on Monday. So yeah, so plenty of uh, things for people to get involved with. Uh, the Facebook page has been brilliant, as always. Um, I kind of thought what I would do at the beginning of this show is kind of touch upon just a small thing that I've noticed recently. Um, I really wish I could insert the the um, look what you've done <laughs> thing from uh, the Kruger Nation. Johnny Kruger's got it sussed. He, um, in the format of the show, if you've not checked out the show yet, I don't know what the matter is. You know, with you is, you need to kind of rectify that, go across and support Johnny Krug. Kruger Nation is easily one of my favourite podcasts. There's a reason he's a repeat guest on the show. I think the guy's fucking awesome. Um, but he does these these kind of segments on his show, and one is "Look What You've Done," where he basically kind of points at something that yeah is going on in horror at the moment, a trend that he doesn't like. Um, at the end of the show, he, he does a section called "Stuff That Johnny Krug Likes." So it's balanced. It's yin and yang. It's good and bad. Um, it's, it's, it's night and day. Um, so if I was to steal a page from his book and do a look what you've done, um, there just appears to be the most ridiculous amount of negativity flying around just now online. I, I, I don't know what has happened. <laughs> I don't know if 2015 is some sort of weird fucking lunar year, I know we had an eclipse, a lunar eclipse, I don't know if that has just you know boiled the blood of some people, but there's a lot of people online that are running Facebook pages, um, have podcasts, um, are involved with the, the online horror community in some capacity or another, who just have become everything that the horror community was supposed to not be which is, um, they've just really become so judgmental, so elitist, and so bullish to the point of, you know, it's it's almost getting to the stage now that you didn't even voice an opinion on something without a swarm of people attacking you. And I, I don't get it. I, I genuinely don't get it. Um, the beauty of, of being a horror fan is that horror in itself and by its nature as diverse and niche as it is, that to further create these small niche elitist pockets within it, I think is just detrimental. I, I think if you if you run a page, if you have a show, if you are out there just trying to contribute something back to the horror community, whether it's like I say, running a Facebook page, or or you have a Twitter account that you you like to repost things, or you you work on a news site one of these news feeds for, for horror, or, you know, you, you have your own show, in any capacity, um, I think first and foremost what you should be doing is trying to kind of further the cause, celebrate the fact that you are a horror fan, um, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that will try and tell you that you shouldn't be watching them anyway, because those films don't stack up too much, um, I think, you know, first and foremost what we should be doing is, is you know, fighting the corner for horror, um, not turning on each other. I, I just find the concept so fucking confusing. It's unbelievable. And this past week, there has been a lot of it. Um, 
and it, it kind of it gets to that point where, and I, I realise that I'm going quite serious <laughs> um, right at the start of my show here, but it gets to that point where I, I just kind of look at what what's going on, and I just kind of think to myself, I mean, it's taken us a while to get where we are. It's taken us a while to to kind of get the message that horror's awesome out there. Um, to the point that it is now as mainstream as it's ever been um, and that's done off the back of, of horror fans first and foremost we're the ones that have been attending the conventions we're the ones that have been attending the movies we're the ones that have been su- supporting films online I mean look at look at the campaign for It Follows in America just now it's so awe-inspiring um, that you know that people are, are pushing that film in such a way that has went from a small small run of cinemas in the USA to, to you know well well close to 2000 cinemas um, being added like every couple of weeks to that, that run of that movie which is just brilliant and it shows the power of us as a community um, I just start thinking that when we all start turning on each other and we all start claiming that we are the one correct voice instead of respecting each other's opinions that's when it no longer becomes fun and that's when I no longer want to be associated with it um, don't be an enjoyment sponge and suck all the fun out of of horror. It's there to be enjoyed. It's there for entertainment. Your page is there for entertainment. Your podcast is there for entertainment. Your Twitter feed is there for entertainment. Um, and I think ultimately, if you put out good things into the internet, good things will come back. If you put out nothing but negativity, then what's the point? I don't understand it. But anyway, that would have been a, a, a look what you've done um, if I had been on Kruger Nation, taking a page out of that man's book. We love you, Johnny Krug. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's me brought everything down to a suitably depressing level. Um, I just want to thank you guys again for making the podcast under the stairs Facebook page. Just the fucking coolest page to be a part of. Um, I believe I can now give you an update as to the limited edition podcast under the stairs posters being designed by the artist known as Graham Humphreys. Um, the the state of play as it stands just now is that he will be designing the poster uh, within the next week. Um, and then obviously we'll have some backwards and forwards in terms of you'll show me, um, I'll sign off on it, uh, money will exchange hands as it does in business, um, and then I should have the design hopefully for the end of this month, um, at which time I will start running off the, the limited 75 run of posters, uh, and then hopefully end of May I'll have the finished product and we will be selling them on the page, um, prices etc will follow, but like I said before, my plan is to make them incredibly affordable, I do not want to be in a position where you know they're, they're at a price which is completely unattainable, um, and every penny made by these posters will be getting invested right back in this show, and a lot of things that I want to kind of do with the show in terms of creating a formal Facebook page, a .com page for for the for the show, like a, a, an actual proper website, and moving forward with some more cool ideas. So yeah, thank you very much for your support, um, and I look forward to finally showing you these posters uh, in the next coming weeks. Oh, I can't wait, I can't wait at all. So with that in mind, I'm going to take a very short break just now. Um, you're going to hear some promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for our first movie review, which is uh, Stitches from 2013. Uh, I will be returning with Jamie Jenkins right after this. Uh. 
I'm Cootie. And my name is X. We're the hosts of Kiss the Goat. Now this has nothing to do with farming or bestiality. In fact, there seems to be a little confusion about what Kiss the Goat is precisely about. Well, first and foremost, it's a company show. No. First and foremost, it's about devil movies, from the ridiculous to the sublime. Uh, right, but there's also a drinking game on every episode. Well, yeah, okay, but there's also a news segment on each show detailing the weird battle between good and evil. Okay, but there are also a lot of running gags. Well, yeah, but we also answer any and all questions from our listeners, and sometimes that gets pretty deep. But there are also terrible puns, and foul language, and a hefty dose of irreverence and light-hearted blasphemy. <laughs> there is that. Well, I think it's safe to say that there's nothing quite like Kiss the Goat anywhere else out there. Yeah, we don't even know what it's about, and we created the damn thing. <laughs> so join us, won't you, on Kiss the Goat, exclusively on the Horrorphilia Network. We make evil fun. Or we make fun evil. We, we don't know. Everybody happy? Bastards. You're late. You're ugly. Shut it, you. No, you shut it. You're not me, Dad. Shut sure, I might be. It's time to cut the key. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming. Piss off. We've got a front row seat to my comeback show. You have a hair in your throat. Are you trying to be funny? Not anymore. Everybody happy? Where do you think you're going? Just for the record, not every party ends with a dead client.
and welcome back. So it's time to kick off the first of the two reviews on this episode, number 51 of the podcast, Under the Stairs. I am joined by a long-time supporter of the show. Some would say, by some I mean myself, instrumental in the formation of the show. Um, the, the very first guest we ever had on the very first episode of the show, uh, which was a year and a half ago, which is scary as shit. Um, and uh, th- this whole idea for this this double bill uh, came around the conversation that I was part of on Facebook, where uh, this particular guest, who you've probably guessed by now is Jamie Jenkins, um, had been remarking on how much she loved Clown, and the conversation had sprung up about who would win in a battle between Clown and Stitches, um, and... I was like, that well, there's only one way to kind of find out that, and that is to bring this lady on the show and discuss both movies at length. She has a multitude of shows, uh, which gets increasingly more difficult for me to remember in my old age. Um, suffice to say, she uh, is on every show which I consider an inspiration to what I do. Is of course, the wonderful, fabulous Jamie Jenkins. How are you doing, miss? <laughs> Well, I'm doing great now. I, <laughs> I mean, I always have to. I can never live up to the wonderful introduction. You surpass it every time you're on me. the show. Every you're time amazing. you're on the show, you surpass <laughs> it. I, I, I sometimes feel like I'm underselling you. So. Oh no, no, <laughs> you flatter me. But I am so happy to be here again. I this is one of my favorite places to be. So, anytime, I am thrilled to be here. It's always a, it's it's always great having you back on the show because we we get just we get we chat online quite a lot but we we don't often get to chat in in podcast format so we're always like chucking films backwards and forwards over the 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 messengers um, as to what we like have you seen this have you seen that but to, to actually get and sit and discuss a movie um, with a bit more detail I think it's always fun and I've said it before I think you're awesome uh, so it's it's great to to chat about these things and these two movies. Are, are going to be interesting ones to talk about um, because one of them is definitely out in the US, the other one isn't out in the US yet, however if you have a multi-region player you can buy it from the UK because some reason we got it before you guys, which... Uh, I don't know I, why that is. Um, not that you guys, you know, don't deserve to get something before we do every now and again. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's just, no, it just, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because I think it's, um, is it a Canadian film or is it an, I thought it was an American movie. An American but, film. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. See, I thought it was an American film, but sometimes it's hard to tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, even if it, even if they say that they're in America somewhere, then a lot of times they're really not. So who knows, but either way, it's not a UK film. So mm-hmm. I, was kind of surprised that we still haven't gotten a release here when it's been released practically everywhere. Yeah. Except here. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and, and furthermore, I mean, obviously it's it, it's produced by by Eli Roth, a, a, a guy who still has a lot of clout, maybe undeserved clout, but has a lot of clout in America with, you know, the projects that he puts his names against that you would think that it would just be a logical decision to release that in the States at the same time. I mean, to be honest, we got a bit of month's warning that it was coming out 
over here and then it just it was out and you can buy it in supermarkets and everything over here now um that it kind of confused me i want to say though that stitches was available in america before it was available in the uk which would be um, like the, re- the reversal because that's right okay well then that's just you guys getting us back yeah, I think I th- I'm <laughs> wanting to say that. I'm sure. I'm sure that um, I was hearing about that movie from American podcasts before I was aware of its release over here. So I want to say that you guys had that before. So like, uh, if that makes it sound a bit fairer, then we'll just go with that. <laughs> so okay. yeah. We so yeah. So, we'll take yours. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't know. You what may that take is. our clowns, but you'll never take our freedom. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I had to just insert. I, n- I never, I never play I'm into my Scottish you with stereotypes. Your face painted right now. Well, I actually have my face painted like a clown. Um, <laughs> so that it all fits. Uh, so yeah, uh, so we're going to be doing, like I say, uh, reviews of 2012's Stitches and 2014's Clown um, on this show. We're going to do them in year order, I think. So we'll probably get into Stitches first. Um, but before we do that, Jamie, just to to test your. Your, your brain this morning and the wee hours <laughs> over there. Um, I, I like to ask all my guests to tell people where they can check out the multitudes of shows that they're on, in your case, um, uh, and at the end of the show as well. So where can people check out the, the, the collective works of uh, Miss Jamie D. Jenkins online? <laughs> Well, if people want to check out shows like Devour the Podcast or Insomniac's Playlist, uh, they or even evil episodes, they can find those at legionpodcast.com. Or if you'd like to check out evil episodes, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, also yeah, evil, evil episodes, episodes yeah, yeah. There, uh, the Skeleton Crew, uh, or Liken It, you can find those at horrorphilia.com. So yep. I am... I am I'm a network whore, is what, is what I am. I'm uh, all over the place. Are you, are you still connoisseuring the, the, the action movies? That's right. Yes, there's that one too. And that one is a completely separate thing, um, not part of a network, but it is a live show on Wednesday. Well, typically on Wednesdays at 8. There has been some... some We've had to shuffle on occasion, but mm-hmm. I always post on Facebook when I'm about to do that show. So that one's called Direct-to-Video Connoisseur. It's a live show, and we do mostly action films. Sometimes we'll pepper it with different things, but that tends to be what we land on because there are a lot of direct-to-video action <laughs> oh, yeah. films. Oh, yeah. Most of them star in Steven Seagal, I think. Yeah, <laughs> and most of them should be direct-to-video. Actually, some of them just shouldn't be at all. But, just, some of them you know. shouldn't be shot at all. Oh, my God. <laughs> But that's a fun. That's a fun thing to do. I like doing that show. It's yeah. because I get to do all sorts of different things, you know. Whereas most of my other shows are, are horror centric, which, yeah. you know, well, there's a reason for that. So, anyway, mm, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Look, I love that you that I almost forgot a show and you knew it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought I would wait for you to rhyme them all off and then see if I had forgotten one. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, the first movie we're going to talk about, and the one that the the listeners have heard the trailer for, um, was released in 2012, although I get the feeling it probably was released in Ireland in 2012, and then took a while to to make its way out. According to IMDb, it came out in 2012 in the UK cinema. I don't know about that. I really don't know. I, someone may prove me wrong on that one. I'm fairly sure 2013 
late 2013 was when I was starting to hear about this movie, so it may have done like the festivals or something, maybe Fright Fest or something before. Yeah, well, I was I, I was thinking 2013 as well. Um, yeah. I was trying to remember when it was that I watched that we were, because we reviewed it on Skeleton Crew a long That's correct. time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I first heard of it, actually, was on Skeleton Crew. Um, and that was like that, because I remember you talking about it, and um, I'm sure one of you had mentioned that Ross Noble played the clown, and I was like that, Ross Noble as in the comedian because he's like a famous UK comedian um, mm. and then checked out and sure enough it was so um, the movie was directed by Connor McMahon um, the film stars like I just said uh, Ross Noble uh, Tommy Knight uh, Shane Murray Cor- Corrin <laughs> Oh, some of these names. Why are they doing this to me? Uh, Jenna They're your Lee... countrymen. It's not like these are foreign people. <laughs> yeah, there's no one in my country that has a surname Devereaux, right? Uh, like, okay. Gemma Lee okay. Devereaux. That's not the, un- the most un-fucking Scottish name ever. Uh, Corcoran, is a, isn't that an Irish name? Corcoran? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's one here that, uh, if an American read it, they would think said Egohan, but it's actually pronounced Ewan, I know that much. Uh, so Ewan McQuinn, uh, Hugh Mullerin, uh, Tommy Cullen, a lot of other folks in the movie. The synopsis is a clown comes back from the dead to haunt those who took his life during a fatal party mishap. I would say that they probably didn't take his life. I think that's maybe stretching things. Uh, however, as is customary on the podcast Under the Stairs, I uh, I give the floor to my guest to do the first review. Jamie, would you like to tell us what you thought of Stitches? Well, for anyone who listens to The Skeleton Crew, you will probably... Uh, you'll probably know that this, this review is kind of notorious there is an inside <laughs> joke because i referred to the film as beautiful when i when i reviewed it on the skeleton crew and alex has never let me live that down <laughs> and so now every time i start to talk about a film he's like is it beautiful and, <laughs> um, he likes busting balls does our alex. and the thing what i meant by that and uh, let me preface this as well by saying I must have been high or something when I watched it the first time because when I, <laughs> when I watched it this time I mean it looks good but I don't know what I was going on about I mean it's not that great looking yeah. it just you know it's yeah. pretty and the colors yeah. I mean, it looks like a competent film but I'm, it's not I don't know what I was looking at but um, I remember the first time I watched it it was just really vibrant and I mean and it still is the colors are still vibrant it's just um I was watching it this time, going, I, I don't, I don't know. I, no wonder it makes fun of me. I have no idea. Um, but it still looks good. Um, there are some some purely comedic moments in this film that, uh, even though you know me, you know, and my and my love of cats, mm-hmm. uh, but that scene doesn't bother me because it's uh, there's there's a scene and that involves a cat, but it's funny and um, clearly not a real cat so i'm i'm over that um it doesn't that doesn't bother me i i think that there are some really good gore gags what i found and i like the characters this is this is an example of a film where the characters aren't all a bunch of assholes i mean these are high school kids mm-hmm. and most of them actually seem age appropriate to be high school kids, you know how like in in American slashers in the eighties, you'd have thirty five year olds passing yeah. themselves. <laughs> I don't, 
I don't see that a lot here. I think, you know, they mostly seem to be at least close to high school age or able to fake it really well. And, but the, you know, the, I like the characters. I think that there are some genuinely good, they, they seem like good people. Um, there's one, Bulger in particular is one of my favorite characters. He just seems like a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a, that's a plus. They, I think that Ross Noble does a fantastic job playing mm-hmm. the clown. I mean, he is equal parts uh, funny and just malicious. Uh, he has this sort of a don't give a damn attitude yeah. when he, even when he's alive as a clown. And then afterward, he's just very, he's kind of stoic. I, I really appreciate his performance here. I, th- I think it works well. But what I did find upon my second viewing is that it moves a little bit slower mm-hmm. than I initially thought, or than the than the initial impression that I got of it. Because I just remembered there being like great gore and and you know all these kills, and there are some, but there seems to be some time in between, and some of it seems to be a little. Hmm. I'm not saying the pacing is slow. I think the, the story moves along fine. I just feel like there are gaps of time where it lags. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, um, I have to say that my I still like the film quite a bit, but it's not as I'm not as like over the moon for it as I was the first time I watched it because the first time I watched it, I was just crazy about it. Mm. And I'm, it's not quite there now, but I do still like it, and uh, I do still think there are some great gore gags, and there are some pretty funny moments, and I like the the mythology that they created. There's this yeah. whole thing about painting eggs, uh, how clowns face, they register their faces on eggs, and I actually looked that up, and it's a real thing, oh, that's but good. A, a, according to the film... No one knows when the tradition started, and it's been around as long as clowns have. That's what the film says. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it started in the 1940s, <laughs> <laughs> and we know exactly who started it. Um, and it started in the UK. And since then, there was a um, there was a huge collection, and then there was a, an accident in 1965 at a because um, they used to take the, the the display on tour. Mm-hmm. And there was some kind of accident where a lot of the eggs got destroyed. Oh. And then, because uh, they were using blown out chicken eggs. And then they started doing them again and recreating the ones that had gotten destroyed, at least the ones that they could. And so now this tradition is still going strong. And it has crossed over into the United States. I think sometime in the 70s it crossed over here. So there, um, it is a thing. I mean, clowns really do register their faces on eggs. They don't. They no longer use chicken eggs now. I think they use ceramic or something like that. But yeah, yeah, um, something a little more stable. But I thought that was really interesting. I love when films bring in something that, I, even though this one stretched it a little bit, for the yeah, most yeah. part, they were on point with it, and I love that. It gives me, and especially if it gives me something to research. And then I end up learning something, yeah, yeah. Which, which I did. So I think that's a really fun thing. And and when someone takes a little kernel of something true and then builds a story around it and turns it into a horror film, I just think that's wonderful. So I have to give them props for that because they made me learn. 
<laughs> you made me learn. <laughs> you made me learn, damn it. Um, but overall, this is still a good film. I enjoy this film. I, I do. And uh, there are some, I, I will reiterate, there are some fun gore gags here. Yeah, I, th- I think, well, see, the, the, I mean, one of the things that I quite liked about this movie, and especially the next movie we're going to talk about, is this kind of mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, and and the because the, we don't get that generally when you watch a clown horror movie. There's very little reason for why the clown's killing people, um, and a lot of that you can stem that back to the whole John Wayne Gacy killer clown thing and all the rest. And um, but well, I, I'm kind of on point with quite a lot of what you just said there. To me, when I watched Stitches the first time, I thought that the pacing was like crazy fast. Like in terms of, I, I genuinely thought it was like kill small bit of dialogue, kill small bit of dialogue, and I remember it being a lot more vicious than the movie actually is upon the second viewing. Yeah, um, I, it's weird that I don't know why. I, I I must speak quite a lot to to the movies maybe that were coming out about the time. Maybe, maybe see, maybe I don't know. That was slow. I don't know. Brian, because when we were watching it, Brian was like, he's like, I just don't understand why you love it. I mean. Yeah, we had gotten maybe 40 minutes into it yeah. and he's like i just don't understand why you love this movie so much because he had and he'd seen it before as well and he gave it a three and he mm-hmm. was like oh i like it he's like but i don't understand why you like it so much we're 41 minutes in and nothing has happened he's like yeah. shit all has happened and it was true and and there were like 45 minutes left and we hadn't gotten anywhere yet and he's like yeah. what and i said yeah but once it gets going, I was like, once he's once the actual the kills start, I was mm-hmm. like, then it just goes. I was like, and the and the gore is so much fun, and then and then we were watching it, and I'm like, oh, it doesn't it doesn't really go, does it? Yeah. It does. <laughs> I mean, it does. It does. It does have a collection of really cool kills in it, and I like the. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you would use the word beautiful in terms of how it's shot, because on some level, it's kind of like a. It's not quite a slasher movie, you know, in terms of its its tropes, but it is on some level. Um, and a lot of what has come out, maybe less since then, because like you watch like how how a movie like the Town of Dreaded Sundown remake mm-hmm. sequel re reissued reimagining thing looks <laughs> is a very beautifully shot movie. Oh, that movie and, is is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's it's gorgeous to look at. Stitches to me does feel like there's been a bit more attention paid to the cinematography. And it, it kind of feels that way. Um that it looks a bit prettier than a lot of the movies which are probably a lot of the movies that would just appear on your Netflix queue. You know what I mean? A lot of movies go straight to Netflix and they don't look all that nice. And this one felt very polished and I mean it has um lottery money behind it which is something that happens especially in Ireland, a lot of a lot of movies that get shot over there are funded by a lottery money, which is a, a great thing. A lot of the UK films as well get, you know, UK only films will get the funding from like the Film Council or lottery grants or things like that. So, and it looks like they've taken that money and not run with it, but you know, used it. So, I mean, you get that feel that the movie has been shot very competently. I, I love the the mythology as well. I think the mythology is quite creepy. This idea of, you know, their faces being on eggs or something kinda evokes the, the kind of the, the 
the old Indian philosophy of that, you know, if you get your photograph taken, you know, your soul is stolen by the photo. Is that kind of thing that has been, you know, the, 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 the kind of soul of the clown being intrinsically linked with an egg? I quite like that. I didn't know that was real. The fact that you're telling me that, you know, they, they do actually paint eggs and things like that, and that is something that does exist, makes me like it even more. Um, I think that the, the use of lighting on the clowns at times as well is very kind of Italian cinema. It's very Argento Bava. It's kind of purples and blues and all the rest. That's pretty cool as well. Um, I'm not daft about the movie. I think uh, I, I, I probably I, I'm kind of more on point with what you're saying that Brian thinks about the movie. Um, I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, this is a lot of fun. Um, and then coming back to it, watching it a second time, thinking, oh, this is a lot of fun. I, like, my opinion hasn't really wavered. I, I did notice a bit more of the dead air in the movie, and that's not to say that it's. I just feel there's some time spent with characters, which you could class as character development, which is what I would usually flaw a lot of movies for, is not having character development. We spend a lot of time with certain characters, trying to find out their dynamics or relationships, how these characters have changed since this event when they were kids that resulted in the clown dying. Um, that sometimes I feel it slows the pace because when we get the kills, it's all very slapstick and very fast-paced to then be given like a 10 minute dialogue section where we're trying to think, you know, he loves her, but she doesn't love him and right. he's friends with you. Know, and I'm like, I can kind of understand maybe why we're, why we're spending so long doing it. And that kind of, to me, it does kind of almost anchor the, the movie back at times, which is an unfortunate, especially on the second watch, I was far more aware of it. Um, but I do like think it's more than I think a lot of the practical effects in the movie are beautiful. I think, and then we're using that word again. I love, <laughs> yeah, I love, I love practical effects. I love practical gore effects, um, and they're becoming so scarce and so rare in a movie now that when I see them, I almost want to jump up and high five the director. Um, oh yeah, to... even if they don't look completely fantastic, like exactly. If... I don't care. The fact that they used them is enough to make me yeah, happy. The, the fact that they've paid someone to create a gore effect in a movie where they're actually using it on set and not some guy sitting in front of a Mac clicking buttons. And you know what? It makes me so happy. Um, so yeah, I think that, that to me made me, you know, it, it makes me happy watching the movie. I don't think it's... Uh, I don't think it, everything works in the movie. I think there's a there's a dodgy scene with an eye, which I don't necessarily think looks great. I didn't yes. think it looked great the first time. I think it looks less great the second time because I knew it was coming and I was watching it with more of a, a quizzical um, sort of eye as I was opposed to the first time when I watched it when I just saw it and went, oh, I don't know about that effect. Um, but yeah, I think, I think where it lands is it does have a really good mix of the... You don't often find clown horror movies having much of a sense of humour, which is kind of ironic, considering the clown is supposed to be someone that has a sense of humour. Um, I think they nail the kind of the, the balance of kind of funny lines. I think that that's quite a lot due to the fact that the guy who plays the clown, the killer clown in this movie is a comedian. Um, I don't think... I think the thing is, Ross Noble's a very... What we what I would class as a marmite comedian. I don't know. You don't have marmite in America, do you? I don't. Nah. So no. Nah. As when I describe what it is, you will say I'm quite glad that it doesn't exist in America. It's basically it's like a yeast extract that people put on their toast, and it has a kind of beef flavour to it. Oh yeah, you can keep it. 
Yeah, it sounds like we should keep it. Eh? And uh, Marmite's, Marmite's f- famous advertising campaign is basically, you will either love it or you'll hate it. There's no people in the, the middle that say, oh, Marmite's all right. You either love it or you hate it. So when we refer to things that you either love or hate, you say it's very Marmite because that's oh, what Marmite I is. I see. It's, it's polarizing. Yeah, it's very polarizing. There's no that's middle ground. That's like Miracle Whip over here. Um, <laughs> What's Miracle Whip? you guys Whip? have Miracle Whip, but it's like a, they call it like a Miracle Whip salad dressing, but it's like in a mayonnaise jar. And so some people put it on sandwiches like mayonnaise. Uh-huh. And it's really tangy. Um, so it's either you really like it or yeah. you don't want it anywhere near you. And yeah, well, <laughs> I am one of the people that I don't want it anywhere near me. Like, I won't touch Miracle Whip. But they actually had an ad campaign a couple years ago where it was like some people, they were talking, to, like interviewing people on the street. And people were like, oh, I love it. I have to have it on everything. And then other people were like, oh, God, get it away from me. You know, so, which I thought was, you know, kind of brave of them, you know, oh, yeah. to actually. But the whole point was, hey, it's all right if you don't like it. Somebody else really does. So, yeah. But anyway, which so is, yes. Which so, is Marmite, which is exactly, right. I mean, in my household, I love Marmite. My wife hates it. So, uh, which means by <laughs> default, it seldom gets bought, um, which is just, a, you know, that's just a kind of byproduct of, of being into that sort of, you know, the Marmite thing. But, I mean, the, the movie, like I was saying, has got this kind of... It's got like a like Ross Noble as a comedian is a very marmite comedian. You will either find them funny, which some people do, or you'll find them not funny at all. Does he <laughs> which, always have that sort of deadpan delivery? I mean, is yeah, that I'm not his, familiar yeah, with it? Yeah, but I, I think I think to me the, the 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 biggest shame about this movie is that he doesn't do more of his his performance. Basically, is a very deadpan and he tells stories, but the stories are so fantastical. Like so ridiculously out there that you know he'll start. He does the Billy Connolly thing of starting to tell a story, and then before you know it, you're miles off that story. But it's very kind of train of thought sort of comedy, but not like Eddie Izzard train of thought, which I think is like masterful. His is a bit more scattered and a bit more all over the place and a bit more zany. And I, I think his performance is brilliant in this because he has that deadpan approach. To being that you know, the, he, he genuinely doesn't give a shit, um, right. which makes his character fucking instantly endearing to me because, I'll, you know, he, he exudes a lot of the things that I like to exude, that kind of don't give a shit attitude. Um, but he does it in far more of a deadpan sort of approach. Um, and I think that works wonders for the movie. It does kind of set the kind of comedy tone of the movie out. I just think there's, there's, there's a couple of missed opportunities in the movie. I think it could be a bit tighter. In terms of maybe less of the the kind of love triangle um, and more focused on the kills are pretty funny. I love I love the the kind of the almost the kind of Willy Wonka approach to the kills that there is a lot of irony in the kills. You know, certain characters that are fixated on certain things die by those certain things. I quite I quite enjoy that as well. Um, and like I say, I, I mean it's it's a fun movie. I, I, it's not one that has a massive kind of rewatchability to me. Like I say, I watched it twenty thirteen when when everyone was talking about it. Um this is the first time I've come back to it. Um I I'll probably come back to it again but probably won't be for a while. Um but certainly it's a fun watch when you watch it and I, I, they they at least pay attention to some of the things that I like to see in this sort of kind of horror movie, which is attention to practical effects. 
The makeup on the clowns are pretty, pretty creepy, uh, pretty sinister. Um, so I like that as well. Uh, I think they maybe spend too much time trying to, to kind of flesh out some of the character exposition um, in between the kills, which at times feels a bit forced. So well, because. I mean, I agree with that, and I think that the whole the love triangle thing, we don't even need that. We don't yeah. need, I don't, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I want him, I, I like our main character, and I want him to be happy, but I don't really feel like we need this whole side plot going on with the, the girl that he fawns over and this other guy. I mean, it just isn't necessary. It kind of drags it down. And, um... One thing that that Brian pointed out, and I think he's absolutely right about this, is that, you know, even though, and I said earlier, I like the characters, and I do, but he pointed out that, like, while we spend the first half of the film with, you know, developing these characters, they really just develop into the same characters that we've seen 150 million times. Yeah, they're just basically, even down to the principal of the school and the coach of the school and the, you know, the bitchy girl and the, the, I mean, it's, we've, we know these people, we've seen them before and uh-huh. every teen comedy ever made, you know? So we spend a lot of time with them, but we don't really know anything that differentiates them from the characters we've seen in a, a ton of other things. Yeah. Um, the exception to that being that I really, I just really like Bulger. I just, I, I love <laughs> the character and um, they never outright come out and say he's gay, but mm-hmm. you, you get that sort of, you get that impression, I guess yeah. of him, but I love that. And, and he's just, he's so, I love how he stands up for his friends, you know, and then he's just, I mean, he will get right up in the bitch's face, you know, and then he's just like, I will slap the bitch off your face or whatever, I don't remember, but he's awesome. So I I love him, but for the most part, they're just the same characters that you see, that you've seen before. So we spend a lot of time with him, but we don't really, it doesn't do anything. Which is is weird because a lot of those characters play into what I would class as American stereotypes of high school characters, which are not indicative of how teenagers are over in the UK. I mean, we still have a lot of that over here, but not as clearly defined as, well, this is the jock, this is the bitch, this is, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily have that to the, the degree, the kind of categorised kind of ring fence degree that you do in American society think- or the perception of American society, which makes me think, which I think is what you were asking me, which makes me think it's geared more to that market than it necessarily is. That, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask you if you think they did that on purpose. You I know? think so. I think it's a clear writing choice that, you know, this movie, yeah, it's going to play quite well in the UK, but our market's America. Um, and I, I, I genuinely get that feeling, which is pri- probably why I've heard very little negative remarks from Americans about the movie. Uh, most of them quite like it. And I think it's because it feels familiar whilst also being foreign, if you know what I mean. No, absolutely. I know what you mean. And I, th- I think that you're right. And I think if that was their goal, then they pretty much, na- I mean, it's, you know, they've obviously watched a lot of American films. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they got it. Um. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot what I was going to say. 
Well, well, I, oh, well, I, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, uh, as you may remember, Jamie, on this show we do the Netflix style of grading, um, which, but yeah, which you will be familiar with. For anyone just listening to the show new, that is one hated it, two didn't like it, three liked it, four really liked it, five loved it. We do point fives as well on this show. Um, what would you give Stitches? I'm going to have to. I'm gonna give it a, just a solid three this yep. time. You know, um, I would have been higher uh, the the first time that I watched it, but it. I think that on the second watch, any issue that it has becomes glaringly obvious, and yeah. it doesn't really hold up very well to multiple viewings. So, uh, but it's still. I mean, it's still solid. It's just not as. Uh, it didn't hit me like it did the first time. So it's a three. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna pretty much agree directly with you. First time I saw it, I, if I had been pressed for a grade, I would have probably given it a three and a half. Um, this time, it was a three. I still I still enjoy it. I still think there's a lot to enjoy about this movie. It's one I would recommend. If you're looking for a movie you don't have to think about too much, um, which is going to deliver a, a decent amount of gore, which is going to make you clap your hands. Um, it's definitely a popcorn movie. It's definitely one you can enjoy with a group of friends, a couple of drinks. Um, yeah, you should check out Stitches if you haven't. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about the second and final movie review on this episode. Um, It has only just come out in the UK. Uh, Jamie has been invited on the show because she got a review copy. So she uh, has been one of the very few Americans that's been able to see the movie. Um, There's a bit of buzz about it just now. You're going to hear the trailer for it when we come back. It's 2014's Clown. Uh, We're going to be right back after this. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. Seventy-two movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list. The video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish, and you can join me and my co-host Andy Blockley. Hello, hello. As we chat about. The 72 films, reviewing them all from the Video Nasty List live on our podcast. Tell them about it, Andy. Okay, in 1982, 20,000 films were seized in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horror Delia Network of Podcasts. Come and check us out. movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.kruggernation.com. There's no clown coming. Who double books a clown? I thought you had a backup. Everything's gonna be fine. Perfect. 
say. Don't let me out. I want to see my number one birthday boy. Don't go up there. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for the second and final movie review of this show. Um, this movie is Clown from 2014, although I think we can safe to say it's a 2015 movie. It certainly didn't get released to 2015, but I think it may have done some festival things, so maybe that's why they credit it as 2014. It's directed by John Watts, and just in case you hadn't missed us from the posters, the advertisement campaign, the front cover, um, it's produced by Eli Roth. Now, it's safe to say that Eli Ross' name appears more prominent than John Watts, the guy that wrote and directed the movie, but um, Eli Roth. So everyone yeah. Stop giving excited. him credit is yeah, basically I, I, what you're saying because everyone yeah. keeps giving him credit for it and stop it. Yeah, I, I noticed that Dave Z and accurately Dave Z pointed out online that the amount of reviews that dropped when this movie came out saying Eli Ross clown was yep. Was staggering. I mean, I, I understand Eli Roth. Yeah, he's he was certainly cherry picked as going to be the next big thing in horror. Um, I don't think he's achieved that. I, I like, I really like one movie that he's done. I kind of like another movie that he's done. I don't really like anything else he's put his name against. We're still waiting for the two movies that I think he's bringing out this year in Green Inferno and the other one with Keanu Reeves. Which... Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, which yeah, which na his name escapes me. Um, but I was supposed to be coming out this year, and I think Green Inferno might be getting delayed again. So I mean, yeah, I, I, it surprises me that Clown is the one that that has been released before that because you would have thought Eli Roth directing is a more bankable name than Eli Roth producing. So anyway, that is an aside, a massive aside. This movie is famous in that it got. It, it kind of got a bit of a push because these two guys did a fake trailer for a movie called Clown and they had put in it from the Master of Horror produced by Eli Roth or something along those lines. Eli Roth saw it, loved it, and actually said, I will help you make this movie. So if anything, I will give him a bit of credit for that because I dare say his name getting attached to the project probably did make it more of a reality to get made. I think that's where credit stops. I think that's where we can draw yeah. the line. Yeah. Um, so the movie stars the rather fantastic, and I love him so much, uh, Peter Stormare. <laughs> I, I know, that. he's so wonderful. He's I, he, I just yeah. love him in everything. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I think he's great. Eli Roth as Frowny the Clown. Um, so he, he made his way into the movie. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Laura Allen, uh, Christiansen, uh, Christian, sorry, Distefano. There we go, yeah. Elizabeth Whitmere, Andy Powers, Sarah Schaefer, John McDonald, Rachel Nicole Sugar. That's right, Sugar. Uh, she <laughs> plays a uh, scared girl. So, yeah, 
There we go. Uh, there's some more other people in there. <laughs> uh, I'm terrible at this. I should have given up 51 episodes ago. Uh, so, um, the synopsis for the movie, a loving father finds a clown suit for his son's birthday party. Now, I, I, yeah, I take offence to this loving father statement at the beginning because I, I don't think he's portrayed as that. I think he's portrayed as a bit of a workaholic. But anyway... Um, a loving father finds a clown suit for his son's birthday party, only to realise that the suit is part of an evil curse that turns its wearer into a killer. Um, I don't think that synopsis is great at all, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, it doesn't turn him into a killer, it turns him into a cloin. Uh, which, yeah, that, I think if I'm kicking us off here, that's the first thing that I say gives this movie insane props from me. Um, now, people may have already heard me review this as part of the Legion Quickie uh, with Andy from Doing the Nasty and Big Horror and Little Podcast. We both watched the Blu-ray as soon as we got it. We recorded our pretty much our reactions the following day to the movie. Um, and the thing that I think we both said we loved pretty much more than anything is this idea of this mythology of of the clown it kind of reminded me on some level of that um a finnish santa demon movie rare exports where you know santa the santa mythology is something completely different from what we know and you know it's actually santa is the kidnapper and consumer of children um you know, on some levels, there is a kind of comparison there. I think what Clown does better is that it gives you a stronger idea. This fact, this fact that they name them Cloins, which sounds like Clowns, which makes it believable, and all the rest. And it goes really into this. I mean, people have, up until a certain point, Clowns were not seen as scary. You know, this whole kind of thing that's come out, this, this phobia that's connected to Clowns, is a more modern thing than it, than it you know, than this movie this movie kind of sets out that the, the premise has always been that the clown has been something dark. Um, and I, I quite like that because it's turning this this idea that you have, even though clowns in modern kind of society, there's a lot of people that are... My brother-in-law is terrified by clowns and will not even look at the front cover of It. It upsets him. So, I mean, this is more a, a modern thing, but I love the fact that it takes it back and gives it more flesh on its bones to the mythology. Um, so it's like huge props for this movie straight off that. The second thing I'll say is the majority of this movie, minus the kind of last 10 minutes, is practical effects again, and the practical effects are gorgeous again, um, as as they were with Stitches. A lot of... And they don't get they don't give you maybe all the kill sequences directly on screen, but the camera pulls away and you get that lovely blood splatter that just like ripples up a wall, or you see the oh, after yeah. effect of what it's done to a kid. And I, I love that because your mind fills the blanks in, and good horror should do that. Should you don't always have to give you upfront on the screen step by step everything that sometimes works in certain movies. But the ones where you actually want to get under your skin and creep you out are the ones that a camera will pull away, you'll hear the sound and then you'll see the blood splatter because you, your morbid curiosity will probably mm-hmm. envisage something worse than what you've seen on screen. I oh, think yeah. that's... I think what this movie does really well is it takes a kind of comical idea at the beginning. It was a very kind of whimsical feel and it gets darker as the movie goes on. And this movie gets really dark. When you have a man who's fighting the compulsion that, you know, it's very much like you see like in kind of like vampire movies where you have a vampire being turned and resisting that urge to consume blood. 
at their own cost um, and then eventually having to do it. The, the character arc in here is brilliant. Um, our, our, our father figure um, slowly is descending further and further into this idea that eventually if he does not kill, he's going to end up killing his own. Um, so it's almost like you know he's he's granting his family a mercy by by killing another kid. It's uh, you know it's something very very dark and sinister about that. Um, I think Peter Stormare's performance is fantastic, but once again he's not moving dramatically off a stereotype which he is easily fits into. But I think he think about uh, the thing about him whether you're watching him in something like Fargo or watching him as the devil in Constantine or you see him here he's, he's got a, a real charisma on screen even when he's like he's telling you the mythology of the story and I am completely captivated by it because he's telling you his voice just grants a level of authenticity to it. Um, like I say, I think the practical effects are brilliant. I don't dig the use of CGI at the end of the movie, and it's not because I'm a CGI hater. I just feel that when we're chopping the head off a clown, do we need it in CGI? Um, I know you might not necessarily have the budget, but once again, pan that camera away, let us hear someone screaming and start spraying blood somewhere, or do the Evil Dead too. You know, pull the camera up to the person who is wielding the weapon and spray blood in their face with screaming and I'm I'm a hundred percent there. And that knocks it down a bit for me. I feel that, that that feels not lazy, but it feels like they've kind of wanted to deliver something in the front of the screen and they've had to resort to CGI which unfortunately it's just it, it's, it, to me it's a, it's a niggle it's a niggle that stays with me um, a niggle by the way to our American listeners is something that annoys you gets under your skin just in case I'll never really throw out these Scots words when you're on here Jamie and I don't know why um, I'll need to I, <laughs> I'll need to investigate. I don't either but I like one. it you know and oh, I, no, I already knew I already knew what that meant though so I'm excited I've used that, that before yeah hmm. I've used that before you're like I know that word um, so <laughs> Yay. I'm one of you. <laughs> I'm one of you. One of you. One of you. Um, so yeah, I like that as well. I think um, I'm not like I'm not going to go into spoilers on this this movie. Suffice to say that I think just in general, this movie in the hands of other people would be very schlocky, very clumsy, maybe a bit too comedic and and lacking bite. Um, in the hands of this director, and I cannot wait to see what he goes off and, and does after this, he delivers a movie that gets bleaker and darker as we go on, as we find it that there, once he's put this suit on, there really is no way to get out of it. There is no happy ending in this movie. And that feeling of despair. For the, I mean, it's not often that I start to sympathise with the, you know, the, the killer in a movie. I totally do with this. It is out with his control. It's now he's now got a baser instinct which he can't control. Um, and as he becomes more of the cloying, it, it just the more of that manifests in him as a character, the, the the darker the story gets, and it follows the tone. The tone moves directly in line with the changes in the character, which I think is is incredibly difficult to do. Uh, Jamie, you loved this movie. I did, and, and I watched it again, and I loved it again. So tell us why. So well, I will. Um, <laughs> okay. A <laughs> little bit of history. Um, <laughs> and if you are a fan of the Fun House, that's exactly where I pulled that from. But um, <laughs> whenever I say that, that's why I say it. But um, 
So a little bit of history here. The I had this for review and something I just couldn't I don't know. I hadn't I've had it for I'd had it for a while and I hadn't watched it and I wasn't I just wasn't excited to watch it. You know, it was sitting there and I was like, I don't know, I don't, I don't care. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I knew I'll watch it eventually, but I just wasn't into it. Then I had a listener pose a question to me because of liking it. Mm-hmm. And the listener said, do you feel that clown is kind of like a werewolf film? And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. And then I said, well, I guess I better watch it then so I can answer this question. So I did. And incidentally, no, I don't. In some respects, I do. But I feel this is more akin to a Cronenberg body horror film. Yeah, yeah. This is very much the fly to me. In that uh, someone unwittingly gets involved in something that is going to start transforming them. They cannot control it. And then they're forced to just sort of roll along with it. And the whole thing is just built around emotion. And this film so beautifully handles uh, the, the sadness of it. I mean, I just, on, upon my second viewing last night, in the beginning of the film, as soon as he puts on the suit, I got sad. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because I knew how it was going to end. And I was like, oh, this is, but in a good way. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it's all good. It's just, um, I remembered it, so I was like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> and um, then I proceeded to watch the rest of the film and rem- remember once again why I love it so much. But I think that people may be turned away by the premise. Mm-hmm. You know, like, "Oh, clown movie!" Either they don't care about it, they think it'll be silly, or they just can't stand clowns and they don't want to watch it. In which case, I think those are the people who really need to watch this film. Yeah. Um. But I, I know that a lot of people may be turned away because they think it's probably just going to be something silly. But it's really not. And, mm-hmm. and this, you mentioned the mythology earlier, which is one of my favorite parts of this. The intricacy of the background is so carefully woven. It is so realistic and so believable. Yeah, Down I mean, to- how often, how often, Jamie, like, because you, me and you watched, like, hundreds of horror movies, how often do you get a bit of mythology segued into a movie that makes no sense at all? And it's almost like you sit and watch it and go, why have you put that in there? I would much rather the killer didn't have an explanation because that explanation is stupid. Right. You know, and this one is, it's like, I could, so, I could totally see that because how many things do we have, and I'm glad you brought up, um, rare exports uh, mm. for that reason. I mean, how many things do we have that actually do have more sinister backgrounds than mm-hmm. we attach to them now? Yeah. And, you know, to take one and create it, because as far as I know, this is a creation of, of his. Yeah. Um, and it, down to why the skin is, is so, why the skin of a clown is white and why the nose is red. And uh, I just think it's very clever and creative mm-hmm. you know and the the delivery of this by peter stormare which you brought up is <laughs> it's just it's i can't imagine anyone else playing yeah. that role i really can't because he just nailed it and when he's telling the story i am in it i'm like yeah and then you have the book to back it up which it's almost it's almost kind of Van Helsing, you know what I mean? And his his approach because he knows that he is the you know on some level he's had this 
kind of this deal of having to hunt the clowns, um, kind of thrust upon him with the, you know, with the fact that he has the book as well and all the rest. And it, it, there is something very kind of classic horror about it, even down to the accent. If you know what I mean, but it's just Peter's yeah. accent. But it, but it really works. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel cliche. You know, like it could, no, it, it could, doesn't. It feels yeah, fresh and original and yeah. um, believable and scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, you bring up classic horror, uh, which brings me back around to when the person asked me if I thought it was like a, a like a werewolf film, and I yeah. just, you know, and I'm like, not really. However, the things, the beats that it does have that I think that sort of match that is, it goes along with Lon Chaney Jr. and the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. In that this is a a reluctant villain, or, or a, a someone who did not intend for this to happen to them, and yet, and so you end up feeling for them. You know, you you want them to end up in good place, even though you know that they really probably aren't going to. But yeah. so you have this emotional journey with them, and you empathize with them, and so on that level, I think yes, it is very similar to that. Also like the fly but i do think it's more I, I do think it's more like the fly than say the wolfman because there's not a change back and forth kind of thing it's it's a progressive change but it's one that's really heartbreaking mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking for the family for him uh, just seeing the, the torture that he goes through and the links that he goes through to try to keep this from happening from which we get a a, a beautiful technicolor headshot yeah which is one of my favorite. This is one of my favorite gags in the film. I <laughs> I think that's so funny, but dark. I mean, it's really dark. But at the same yeah. time, like, oh ha, look at that. Um, <laughs> which I think is another thing about this film is that it's so perfectly balanced, and in that it's really, really dark, but it's fun at the same time, and um, you know, fun like with the the video game kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so happy about everything that happens in that scene. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, uh, it's really sinister. And I, I'm afraid that people are going to skip it because they won't, they won't be expecting that, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, just from the name clown, maybe they'll think it won't be, but I really want to, to, reiterate that i want to say yeah, yes it's very sinister it's very dark it's very emotional the characters are so well written and so well acted even down to the child actor whom oh man delivers this line at the end that just rips my heart out um in all the good ways <laughs> I, I cannot stress it enough i mean t- please don't skip this movie i don't know <laughs> i don't I just I want people to see it because I want to talk about it more, yeah. and that's why when you brought it up or when you said, "Hey, how about we do?" and I'm like, "Yes," because <laughs> I I want to talk about it, and I can't really talk about it much over here because so few out. people have seen it. Yeah, yeah. And so I was so thrilled that you had seen it and enjoyed it as well because I I want to shout about it. Uh, because I think it is very original. I think it's very uh, creative and clever mm-hmm. and well done. Really well done. And I want it to get the attention that I think it deserves. Yeah, I think, I think, um, like you say, it is, I mean, the, 
I mean, the fact that it is like a clown horror movie in, in a lot of respects will put off a lot of people. And they, they might, the fact that Eli Ross' name's blazoned over the cover might put off even more people. But it couldn't be any further removed from what Roth usually put. There's no douchebag characters in here. You know, the, the kind of douchey teeny characters, which, I mean, are are the staple of of most of Roth's work. They're not in here. The characters are... are the, the character development is handled with a great deal of care and respect. The subject matter is handled with a great deal of respect as well, um, and care, and the, the, the I can't stress enough, this movie gets really dark in a way which it doesn't feel forced, it just feels natural, it just feels like this downward spiral of darkness, mm-hmm. um, which is inevitable. I think that's the thing like you were saying, when you go watch it the second time, and he puts that suit on, and you know how the movie ends, you know that, no good will cut, and if you you almost want to shout at the character, don't put the suit on. Um, and I I love that because it does take it does start off with that kind of comical feel, like where he can't get the nose off, and his wife's going to get the nose off, and she's pulling the nose, and you're kind of <laughs> thinking this is quite funny. But by the way, you see how that transforms by the end of the movie. It's you know if they were to try and do that same joke again at the end of the movie, it just totally wouldn't work, and everything's just timed and placed really well um, I mean when I first watched the movie I reviewed it as a quickie um, I gave the movie a 3.5 at 5 at that point watching it second time round has jumped up a point five. I think it's a 4, four star movie, um, I really like it I don't know if I watch it again will it jump up another point five. there's a very good chance because the second time watching it I realised there was, there, was, there was subtle things in character development mm-hmm which I hadn't picked up the first time watching it, which makes me think that watching it a third time, there might be even more to mine in there. So, yeah, I, I really like this movie. It's, it's four stars for me. What about yourself, Jamie? What, what do you grade it? Oh, I'm going to have to say it's a 4.5. Mm-hmm. And I really don't even know what that what that point five is missing from. I can't... <laughs> I feel like there, <laughs> there must be something, but... Um, shit, I don't know. It might be... It might not. It might just be a five because I I really can't think of anything mm-hmm. that w- should drag it down. It it's so well constructed that and and I, I love the fact that you brought up how it's just a downward spiral from the end yeah. and, and from the beginning to the end. It is so the whole thing is progressive, much like like the journey through the movie perfectly mirrors his journey in the suit. Yeah. In that it's the whole thing is progressive, and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and it builds upon itself. And I really have to give props to the filmmaker here because he clearly, I mean, he wrote the film and directed it, so he had his own vision going in as to mm-hmm. what he what he wanted to do. And I think in this case, it worked. It worked beautifully. You know, um, if someone else had taken the, had directed this film, it may not have come off exactly like it did. Yeah. You know, I don't know, but I'm glad we got what we got. Um, yeah, I mean, he really knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what he's doing, and he has a great eye. And um, yeah, I. So I guess I'm just gonna I'm gonna have to say five. I'm gonna I really love this film, and I and I said multiple times while I was watching it again last night in preparation for the show. God, this movie's so good. Or I yeah. really like this movie a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just I just kept saying that because I was a, it, it's like it was reawakening like oh yeah I really love this movie um 
Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Did I say that I loved it? Did I say <laughs> <you> like <laughs> yeah, I think I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. And the funny thing about like watching these two movies is that there is a kind of really cool kind of double feature quality about watching Stitches and then finishing watching Clown. So you do get that really kind of comedic sort of feel with the practical effects and all the rest. And then when you start watching Clown, you're still getting a kind of whimsical, upbeat, kind of comedic feeling movie, which then just descends right down. Um, but I just think, I think works really... I, I genuinely think the movie is one that, when it finally does make its way out for, if it's a VOD release or for sale in, in the States, I can see a lot of people that have seen the movie at that point, I, I know myself especially, will be pushing it you know like to, to direct people's attention to watching the movie because like you say the danger is that unfortunately it disappears and just people don't see it for like years and you know like five years from now people are like this clown movie's really good and then people start you know this movie deserves the guy's obviously had a, it's been a labour of love he's put the movie out for some reason it's in release nightmare I don't understand that but um, I think it's safe to say that when it finally does come out um, there will be plenty of people championing that movie uh, for you all to watch. So yeah, I mean, Jamie gives it a five, I give it a four. Um, I would just like to thank you, Jamie, for coming back on the podcast on the stairs. It is always the utmost pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. You know, I love being here. Thank you for having me and allowing me to, to talk about this. Specifically no. these two, because um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason Lloyd. <laughs> I know he's gonna hear this, and I'm, I'm so sorry, but clown trumps stitches. It really does. <laughs> or to quote Brian, clown wipes his ass with stitches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jason! So Jason's funny. used to listening to the show and disagreeing with me anyway, so um, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, like I said at the start, uh, I'm going to get you to once again try and uh, <laughs> should try and sum up where people can check out your shows online, um, so they can check out your shows right now as soon as the show finishes. Go and listen to more Jamie. <laughs> uh, well, you can let's see, uh, devour the podcast and and Insomniac's playlist are available on. <laughs> legionpodcast.com or you can go to horrorphilia.com and find Liken It, Evil Episodes, The Skeleton Crew um, and then of course check me out uh, Wednesdays at 8 for Direct-to-Video Connoisseur and if you want to reach out to me directly I'm I'm on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter sl- at slash maven1974 or email me at maven1974 at gmail.com Awesome, awesome, even go check it even if it's what? to yell at me, that that doesn't bother me. <laughs> don't yell at Jamie. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, don't do that. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks very much for coming on the show, Jamie. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I'll be closing out the show right after this. Almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. They try to kill us. You ungodly warlock. <laughs> but we just won't stay dead. What's the matter? You can't hold your liquor, huh? The Midnight Horror Show. The internet's goriest and raunchiest horror podcast since 2008. 
now live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at TMHSRadio.com. Listen on your mobile device with the TuneIn app, search TMHS Radio, or download us at iTunes, Podomatic, or the TMHS Radio page. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs, episode number 51, which has featured reviews of 2013's Stitches and 2014's Clown. I hope that uh, you guys enjoyed that. Um, We, where possible, made the Clown review as spoiler-free as we possibly could. Um, The main reason behind that, I know there's a lot of people in the UK have now seen it, um, but the reason behind that is, like we said in the review, no formal release date for that movie in the States yet, and I don't want to steal the the, the jelly from your donut. I believe that's an American saying. Um... I kind of want to be in a position where I'm not spoiling that movie for anyone over there so when it does get released I really want you guys to go and check it out I really liked it I I think um, especially on second viewing I think you heard that in my review on the the second view there was a lot more to appreciate about that movie Um, and God knows what I'll feel like by the end of the year when it comes to a top 20 list I'm not saying that I'll make a top 20 list but you never know you never know Um, it's one that I'll definitely go back to again this year uh, for a third watch Um, so I don't have a clue because I've been thrown off my game Um, I don't have a clue who will be featuring on the podcast under the stairs next week suffice to say that it will be a thumping good one hopefully um, the Baz has been enjoying some uh, respite he will be returning very soon in the next couple of weeks with uh, the culmination of Baz v Friday the 13th for Baz v Horror um, we will be closing out that retrospective with reviews of Jason Goes to Hell, um, Jason X and Friday the 13th the remake um, and after that we will have a chance to sit back and relax uh, Baz has obviously got some things coming up um, a look at some religious horror movies which I'll be setting up for him as well as his end of term assessment uh, where Baz will take on the Evil Dead that could be a lot of fun um, some interesting guests lined up for that one so fingers crossed everything goes according to plan and we manage to get that show out I'm kind of hoping end of May kind of kicking into June uh, the end of June, beginning of July uh, the podcast under the stairs will be doing its next room table it'll be room table episode number 4 where myself and my guests will be doing the collective adaptation works of Stephen King um, so that's uh, Stephen King adaptations into movies and TV which is a huge subject and uh, I reckon that show's going to be 4 hours plus but um, if, you, if you're going to do something it's worth doing it right right? I think so I don't know. Um, So yes, that'll be coming up as well. Uh, Final reminder that you have one week left um, to enter the Podcast Under the Stairs competition to win an Arrow Video Limited Edition Steelbook Blu-ray cut of The Beyond uh, from Lucio Fulci. Um, To do that, all you need to do is go across to the Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash groups um, forward slash cast. And uh, under the picture of my wife holding said steelbook, all you need to do is say, if you want it, if you want it, just say, I want it, and you will be entered in that competition. It's a region free Blu-ray, so anyone in the world can enter, I will post anywhere. Um, The winner of that competition will be picked at random 
for the next show, episode number 52. So good luck to you all that have entered and good luck to all those that are about to. Um, I think with that being said, it's time for me to take my leave of you guys. Thank you very much again for checking out the show. Thank you for all the support, the downloads, the feedback and just the general love. You guys are fucking awesome. Um, Remember there are various ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. You can check us out on iTunes if you are. Leave us a review. If it's five stars for instance, it bumps us up the ratings in iTunes. Um, The higher up the ratings, the more likely people are going to randomly come across us when they're searching horror. Um, If you haven't had the chance to do that, please do. Um, Every little helps on that front. Um, You can check us out on the website, which is podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com You can check us out on Stitcher Smart Radio and remember we are a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. Um, To be part of Baz's Basement, all you have to do is send an email into us. The email address is podcastunderthestairs.gmail.com That's podcastunderthestairs.gmail.com And um, in your email, all you need to do is put in the header Baz's Basement where you can ask the Baz a question or ask for his advice and it'll be answered on the next show. Um, That's a lot of fun. Uh, Baz would like to try and get some new people to send in some questions. Um, At the moment, it's only really been Vanessa and the, the Blockley Shipley contingent that have been following through with questions through the email. I might open it up to the Facebook page again, that was a lot of fun last time. But anyway, uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, like on Twitter, and uh, we are at TputzCast. And with all that being said and done, I would just like to thank you all again. Please take care of yourselves wherever you are, and until the next time I speak to you, which will be sooner than you think, this is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from the void. Signing off. Pogo hat become the Lester. Paints a space disguised the jester. Join the local most large chapter. Spawning evil ever after. He picks his prey up at the bar. Gets him drunken in the car. Drives him home and down the stairs. Strips into his underwears. Fuck up, you're gonna put it down. Murder victims, guys, inspire. Serial killer, pedophile. Look into his empty eyes. You know which you time to die. He cuts you up in little bits. Cuts you up in little bits. Goes fuck. On your head again Spills your blood Now we soaked in sin Fuck up You're gonna put it in hell